Welcome entrepreneurs. You are tuned in to the non-corporate network, the worldwide leader in entrepreneurship. You are watching Entrepreneurs, a show where Dustin and I debate the top six trending small business headlines for three minutes each. We each give our takes kind of like a CNBC meets ESPN, uh, unfiltered, unbiased news by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Dustin, do you have anything you want to add to my little intro there? No, no uh, waking up from your dreams of uh, taking the belt or anything like that. I, you have me uh, at a loss for words for once. I'll let so. my, I'll let my uh, arguments speak for, for that today, as cool. many people will see here very shortly. Yep. Blah, 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 blah. That's all. That's all I'm hearing. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, you ready to uh, just dive in? Yeah, let's get it. Cool. So in our first story, so Lowe's is giving away $55 million uh, to small businesses in need. Uh, they partnered with a local initiative support corporation um, to, to help distribute the funds. $30 million is going to be going to women and minority-owned businesses, with the rest going to rural businesses. Um, I mean, th this is huge. I think, uh, you know, those companies that are making quite a bit of money, I think uh, it's awesome to see some of them giving back. I mean, my question is, should more businesses be doing this? Do you think this is more of a marketing scheme? I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on this whole situation? Well, the same way that we've seen kind of social media catalyze the whole cancel culture movement where somebody makes one small bad step and all of a sudden uh, there's an outcry. Uh, we're seeing the same thing with what I like to call consensus culture. Uh, and we've seen this in a lot of different ways just over the last few months, right? We've seen it with Black Lives Matters movement and businesses coming out in support of that. Um, we've seen it with uh, the triple P loans and, you know, one company gives back their triple P loan and all of a sudden it's a chain reaction. We've seen the same thing on uh, Facebook ad boycott, 900 businesses uh, all one by one following the example of one business to kind of set the tone. And so I, I'm hopeful that Lowe's can be the business that's setting the tone here um, and is going to drive kind of a chain reaction of uh, benevolence and, um, and just giving back to the community, uh, seeing that there's a lot of businesses that are struggling. So consensus culture, I'm hoping that I see more of this. Yeah, and I mean, even if it is a marketing thing, it's still giving back to a good cause. And it's e even if even if people are are on the selfish end and just like, well, you know, I don't want to be giving money away. It's like, well, you're gonna get 55 million. The publicity you're gonna get, the people you're gonna reach, it'll bring back 100, 200 million. Yeah. Uh, so there there is an ROI. Well, for Shake Shack it. donated back their triple P loan of 10 million dollars. They're the first business to do that. You know how much press they got out of that? You know how much money people probably went and spent with Shake Shack just because they were like, you guys are awesome for giving that back. I'm going to go buy a Shake Shack burger now. So it's like we see a lot of that. Exactly, and I think every business could uh, could really use some more sales, and that's all this will do is, I mean, the more you give back, the, the money will be used somehow, yep. whether it's buying more B2B or, um, you know, people can hire more people, which then creates more uh, paychecks going out, which then creates more purchasing. And so I think overall, everyone wants to get past this this craziness that we're in um, from a business standpoint and, and see increased sales. And I think, uh, you know, any business that's willing to lean into this and, uh, what, like I said, whether it be selfish or giving from, uh, you know, their heart, I think they'll, they'll reap the rewards. Um, I mean, do you think any of these big companies that are in the antitrust uh, hearings are, are thinking of this or? 
You know, they probably should be. I mean, what I'd like to, you know, I like to think when you talk about brand building, the Maya, Maya Angelou quote says, you know, you don't remember specifically what was said. You just remember how somebody made you feel. And it's the same thing with a brand. How did that brand make you feel? And right now, these big five businesses make me feel like I'm being taken advantage of when I see them all over Congress. So what better way to kind of reshape the public perception during all of this turmoil than giving back and making your customers feel like uh, they're they're being taken care of. So. Yeah. Now, you'd think that'd be a good way to respond, but here we'll get in a few stories to see how one of the <laughs> yeah, companies responded yeah. to this uh, um, yeah. in a moment. So on to yeah. our next story. Uh, um, you know, more numbers are coming out that the bartering is actually helping cash strap businesses. There is a company called BizX. We've had an awesome company sponsor um, some of our, our shows, uh, Avantage, where they have the same type of model. Um, but essentially, instead of buying services, you're, you're bartering trading services. So us as a marketing agency, if we need accounting help or legal help, we can uh, we can trade our marketing expertise for someone's legal expertise. Um, no no cash is exchanged hands, but things are still getting done. Um, you know, BizX they have over seven thousand businesses on their platform. Um, they mentioned that about sixty five percent of Fortune five hundred companies use trade in their day to day businesses, um, and thirty percent of the overall economy is actually fueled by by bartering and trading. Um, they've even created their own currency that's backed by the dollar, so you could. It takes kind of the, the you're paying for stuff where if if uh, you know you don't want to trade, you want someone's services, you can buy some of their currency, and they have deals on that. But I mean, you know, should more more businesses be looking at the barter system, or uh, you know, what are your thoughts on on this entire model? Yeah, no, I mean, I love the way the barter system is set up. I think it can benefit small businesses. But just to be the devil's advocate here, I think the the first thing I would say is. This is not necessarily adding to GDP, right? There's not money that is, changing, that is changing hands. And so even though this is something that maybe can help the small guys during this time, the big reason that we're putting stimulus, putting triple P into our economy is to increase the velocity of money and to have money changing hands. And so this is completely opposite of that. And so as much as, you know, it can help the cash strap business, I think that trying to get our economy on back, having more and more go to trade isn't necessarily going to help benefit our economy. Uh, I, I think the other thing here, too, is that, you know, sometimes we see a little bit of inflation when you start talking about trying to associate a dollar amount with uh, almost kind of like a monopoly money currency. And so uh, I think that oftentimes that you see a little bit of that uh, when somebody is trying to put a dollar amount on their service, it tends to be a little bit higher when it comes to a trade. And so I think that that level of inflation can sometimes scare people away as well. Yeah. And I mean, my, my thought is on the, the, the first transaction, there isn't that exchange of money, so it doesn't help with cash flow. But that being said, it's like, you know, us, if, if, uh, you know, we need a legal help, um, we didn't get it because there's no exchanging of the money. We, we do get the legal help down the road. We do something wrong and, and we get sued or whatever it may be. But having that prevents, um, you know, more cash flow from leaving our hands. Right. And on the other end, if, if we help provide a, a clear cut marketing strategy or leverage downloadable content, whatever it may be, but bring them new customers right. on the first transaction, there's no exchange of monies, but, um, you know, then, then creates 10 different transactions down the road. And so, um, but I, I do hear you. I mean, it, it, 
anything right now, I mean, if, if I were to trade with someone, it doesn't help bring on another employee or someone that can help. And right. so I think what it comes down to is it's, it's another tool in the tool chest. And, yeah. you know, you can't build a whole house from one tool. It's, it's, it's a matter of figuring out how to use that. And those, you know, those that are savvy in business and know what it takes to get to the next level, yeah. we'll, we'll make those trades. Touche. Going to our next story, Microsoft confirms that they are in talks with buying TikTok. Um, been on the, the news quite a bit lately, um, TikTok in general. And so the move is that Microsoft would take over, which would then allow, allow them to operate in the United States. Uh, the president has given 45 days for this deal to be done. Um, it's kind of interesting because Microsoft owns quite a bit of stock in Facebook, which TikTok is a direct competitor. They, uh, they bought $240 million worth of stocks back in 2007. So, I mean, pretty, pretty healthy uh, investment there. Um, but really, I mean, what, what's worse? Microsoft owning your data, the Chinese running, running with it, um, and is Microsoft the, uh, the best company to run this acquisition? Yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting. Microsoft has uh, come out and said they're going to apply the CCPA laws across the country. So if you're not familiar with those, essentially it just uh, creates a, another layer of added uh, protection and security measures for consumers. They have a little bit more insight into what data is being used, how it's being used. So I think that they've definitely set the bar high on that front. Uh, and, you know, it's an interesting kind of strategic uh, partnership. I mean, yes, they own a, par a portion of Facebook, but they also control LinkedIn. And I mean, it really seems like something where it's like, you can't, they, they don't really have the competency from a social media standpoint. And so buying big boys and, uh, you know, letting them run their own, their own shop under the Microsoft name with the Microsoft uh, assets is, is something that they, they seem to have panned out pretty well uh, as it relates to LinkedIn. So, uh, you know, this is obviously a whole different market. And it's kind of like, is it going to stay cool if your grandpa owns it compared to the the new cool kids. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how consumer tastes shift, but uh, I think it's strategic, especially if they're talking about blocking this in the next 40 days or next week even. And I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, this propelling them to the forefront of uh, the antitrust law? I mean, you, you mentioned quite a bit, yeah. you know, it's bad that Facebook has bought Instagram and WhatsApp. I mean, TikTok is arguably a lot, lot bigger Right. Um, picking up steam. And so, you know, if, if, if Facebook is bad for buying those other companies and making them big, is Microsoft in the wrong for, for going after this? Well, I think that if anything, this increases the competition and kind of helps diversify the market a little bit more. Back when Instagram bought WhatsApp in 2014, Instagram or Facebook bought WhatsApp in 2014, Facebook bought Instagram in 2012, this is a whole different landscape. LinkedIn was very infant. Uh, TikTok wasn't around. Vine had just died. There really wasn't much social media presence outside of those three apps. So uh, to see now that we've got a little bit more colorful uh, competition, I think is is strong for social media. And um, you know, we got to put a little bit of faith into Microsoft, but. Um, they seem to have been pretty transparent about their data collection, and uh, it seems like the U.S. government is definitely more trustworthy of them than, uh, than they are of the Chinese. So uh, I think it could be a good, uh, good pickup for them if they can push the deal through. Yep. Uh, well, before we get into our next story, I want to mention that we are powered by State 48. Thank you, State 48 Clothing Company, for working with us. Uh, you know, love the partnerships they've got going on. They've been doing all sorts of deals with uh, amazing companies, amazing nonprofits, and even uh, companies like the Diamondbacks, Pepsi, ASU. 
Dustin, you have anything you want to mention about State 48? No. Yeah, I mean, uh, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, they're doing quite a bit with uh, nonprofits, and a portion of the proceeds goes back to uh, those those charities and benefits. And so awesome clothing, clothing for all inspired by Arizona. Go check them out, state48.com. We're proud to have them in Arizona. Um, okay, well, getting into our next story, Fiverr has announced that they are going to be starting uh, promoted gigs where you can now pay similar to uh, Google Pay Per Click to rank your gig or your service uh, for specific search queries. So, um, you know, definitely something that's interesting, definitely something that will get more eyeballs and drive more revenue for Fiverr uh, as it relates to their marketplace. If you guys aren't aware, Fiverr is uh, essentially just a decentralized marketplace where you can buy services uh, and have third parties fulfill those services. So, uh, you know, my question to you, Dustin, is, for marketplaces, do they have to have an ad model to survive? It seems like we've seen this happen time and time again, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Reddit just came out and started adding advertising, now Fiverr, uh, Amazon, they all have these ad products. Is it necessary to have ad products and is that going to um, help or hurt the consumer? You know, I think there's kind of two different approaches here. It's, uh, you know, if you don't have the advertising model, you're going to have to, you're going to have to get your revenue somewhere. And so it's going to be increased fees for those who are selling their services or else pass that on to, if I go and buy a service from someone on Fiverr, then I got I have to pay, um, some extra dollars, which now, I mean, you could say the quality is going to be better at that point, but you're going to have people that don't, don't want to purchase on the marketplace because they don't want to pay for it. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's two different models, whether one works better than the other, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe the approach on the advertising side is that you don't have people that are selling their services, the ones that are the marketers. It could be other B2B software. It could be whatever it may be in the business side of things. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's, I, I like it. It creates healthy competition. I mean, you got people on there that have thousands of, of five stars. This gives the little person a chance to where they have good knowledge and can execute. I yep. mean, they can go and spend some money and get ahead of everyone else. And, and only time will tell whether, you know, it is quality or not based off the reviews. And so, well, I, mean, I wonder, I wonder if it is giving the little guy a chance because it seems to me that the people that can afford to run the advertising are the ones that are now going to win. And so, their whole kind of model of decentralized third-party sellers turns into a couple of big boys that are offering all, all different services and can pay to acquire the customers on Fiverr. So, I mean, I think it, it makes more of an opportunity for those people that are already crushing it or that want to get a foothold without having to, you know, do the work and have run a thousand jobs in the past. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the other side of it too is like, is this cumbersome? Does it kind of decrease the user experience a little bit when you have pop-ups and things coming up? So, I mean, yeah, like you said, I think there's two schools of thought here. And um, obviously, anybody can use a little bit of revenue um, during this time. So it's definitely a way to kind of increase revenue without having to do a whole lot. Yeah, and I, I hope they've taken like Facebook's lead and all that and Instagram right. and then LinkedIn on, uh, yeah. you know, the, the UI UX and all that to where you don't have ads popping up and you, had to, you have to X them out. They, they, just, they just show up in the feed um, and stuff like that. I mean, I, I'm curious, I, you know, after this, going to try and see what we can do, start <laughs> running some ads, what the CPCs look like. And, you know? and who knows, we might have a follow-up series on that. Could be, it could be a cool opportunity. Um, well, getting into our next story, uh, stimulus talks. White House and Democrats agree 
free on a $1,200 new round of stimulus checks, uh, but deadlocked on unemployment assistance. It seems that the two schools of thought here, Dustin, are that um, Democrats are in support of the $600 a week with unemployment benefits running out and, and restarting those, um, where it seems that the other side of the aisle is uh, more bullish on a model where those unemployment benefits are somewhere around $200 as opposed to $600. Uh, and so, you know, hopefully we can kind of figure out what's our best way to move forward. But uh, do you want to weigh in on how this is going to affect the economy with unemployment benefits? Is this helping the economy right now? And, you know, what's the best way forward? You know, it's uh, a couple different thoughts come to mind. I mean, it's uh I don't agree with the continuing with the $600. I think it should go down to either 200 or be based off of what you were making previously before you got furloughed or laid off. Right. Um, I mean, I've, I, I've known more people to say, man, I'm getting paid more doing this than I was before than people going, man, I go back to I, work. Yeah. 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 And so it's, it's almost like you're, you're causing, you know, long-term distress because you got to, you know, obviously print the money to, uh, to pay people. And so right. inflation takes place, but even then I'd love to see something where, you know, we were talking before this where it's tied to like a signing bonus type of thing where it's like if you can get a job and hold it for, for two months, here's a $3,000 bonus. I, I, I really think that people are going to find a, a clever way to show the value they're bringing a company to ensure that they're, they're, they're working through that two months. And now it's you, you got people that are, are working. I mean, incentivize the employers, too. But I, I don't think people should continue to to get. Um, increase benefits by not working. I think you're incentivizing uh, in the wrong way. Well, and I, I agree. I mean, you think about the, like a professional athlete, for instance, they get a signing bonus. It really decreases the friction, incentivizes them to get started and to actually make a, a name for themselves to help the organization that has signed them, right? So I think that giving people that kind of incentive is only going to decrease the friction to going and finding a job as well as buying into that. I think the other big thing at play here is that people are being conditioned into, hey, this isn't normal. We're all wearing masks. There's all sorts of different policies. A lot of businesses still closed. And it's like, well, this nothing is normal, including me going to get a job. And so we're almost permutating this kind of there's a risk to go out and do things, stay at home and and just stay and collect your benefits. And so I think that this whole kind of mantra that is being kind of breathed into our media is keeping people on the couch, keeping people like anxious to go get a job and not really incentivizing them, like you said. So I think that that's not going to put people back in jobs I mean, could you imagine what it would look like? It's like, all right, we're going to get four bonuses. It'll increase every quarter that you're employed. Not only will you, the employee, get a bonus, but the employer. I bet you there's going to be a funny way of the employee and employer figuring out how to Retention work together will to, go up. Uh, to, to, to generate revenue because they're going to want that, that bonus. And yeah. so it's like now you're creating more long-term opportunity, and I think it's just a better better way of using the dollars. But Yeah, no, I it, Hopefully we can find uh, some common ground, uh, you know, in, in Washington on this one. But getting into our final story, uh, Google has been in the news at the antitrust. They're now in the news again um, for their first move post antitrust conversation. They just bought a stake of 6.6% for $450 million in uh, the security company ADT. Uh, they're going to be partnering with their Nest devices as well as, uh, you know, the Google platform in partnership now with ADT uh, to provide smart home technology. 
Um, this really solidifies them as a juggernaut in this smart home space. Uh, you know, there's been some very fierce competition between Google Homes and your Amazon Alexa. Amazon owns Ring. Um, now Google has a large stake in ADT. Uh, so we're seeing kind of the writing on the wall here. Uh, what are your thoughts in terms of their first move post antitrust? And, uh, you know, what do you think it looks like in terms of the arms race to smart home and the data that is collected on that front? I mean, I think this is a huge, huge, huge industry um, where we're going to see a lot of transformation over the next few years. Yeah, no, you bring up a, a good point. You know, this is they're they're in court right now talking about how they're using people's data, and then they make a move to purchase a huge company to <laughs> where they're uh, going to have thirty homes. days worth of recordings of people at their house and heat maps of them. I think, yeah. From a business perspective, not a not a data or consumer data perspective, I I think it's a smart move. I mean, whenever I moved into our new house and we got Brinks, I mean they were offering Nest and Amazon and, and everything else, and it was all free. And so it's like right. their way of getting in, and this is Google's way to combat that. I think, uh, you know, they're going to offer the devices as free. They're going to they're going to come up with offerings on how to uh, make it more efficient. I mean, as soon as you leave your house and you get 20 feet away from your house, we'll automatically arm your home. I mean, I yelled at by my wife all the time when I'm the last one to leave and forget to arm it. And so that right there, that feature right there would get me to buy it. And and so I mean, it's a good play to get into more homes. I think uh, you know the whole smart home thing is going to yeah. be a huge revenue maker in the future. I mean, when it tells you what to buy, when to buy it and all that type of stuff, you take the thinking out of it. I think, uh, it's gonna be huge. And so from the data collection, I think, uh, they're probably gonna have to answer to, to Congress at, at some point on this. Well, you know, my argument to you is what's the difference here between com conveniency and dependency. I mean, you know, you think about somebody that is addicted to meth. It's like you're convenient versus dependent on that, right? It's the same thing here. It's like, okay, yeah, it starts off as convenient to get the smart home because it's free or they've discounted it now over 20% uh, in the last year. And so it's like, it's convenient to get it, but you start to become dependent. You start to rely on this for everything and you stop doing the things that normal humans do because technology will handle that for you now. And it's just like, I, I think that between the data, between not being able to trust Google and now to be able to, you know, drop $450 million to grab this distribution channel of ADT, I mean, it's, it's a huge risk, and I'm sure that they're trying to suck as much data out as they can before uh, they're back in Congress. Oh, I mean, I, I think there's going to be so much to leverage when it comes to people's behavior and data they're collecting. It's like spend a couple hundred million to make a couple trillion uh, over the next 10 it's years, huge, I really think. Huge yeah. industry. Yeah. Smart homes. Everyone, everyone needs that stuff. Uh, but anyway, I digress there. Uh, you know, thinking back on the stories we talked about today, I think the biggest thing it's it's you know impossible to ignore is TikTok being acquired by Microsoft. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? You know they're talking about how oh TikTok's going to be blocked in the U.S. Now Microsoft might pick it up. I mean it's a uh, it's just a huge uh, huge story right now. Yep. No, the one that I, I'm interested to see kind of play out is uh, the the stimulus that we're all going to get, whether it's going to be pandering yep. towards uh, unemployment or incentivizing employment. I mean, I think That's those so are the true. two biggest things. And and so I know they've been going to, to battle for quite some time. So see how it plays out. Well, and thank you guys for watching this morning. Um, again, you are tuned into the non-corporate network, the worldwide leader in entrepreneurship. This is Entrepreneurs. 
you know, if you have your own show, you want something to spread to the world, check us out at ncnbroadcast.com. Uh, you can get your show started. We want to use our resources to help you. Uh, check us out on social media, and uh, hopefully you're, if you're not watching this, you're listening to it uh, on anywhere where you get your podcast, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Apple, um, you know, check us out there. Uh, hopefully we are uh, giving you some good intel going into, going into work. So, uh, you know, thank you again for being with us. Dustin, do you have anything you want to mention? No, appreciate you guys, and uh, we'll see you Wednesday. Awesome. Again, my name is Chaz Vandermutter. Dustin Trout. We'll see you next time.